Welcome to the Shannon Plan. This is the last episode for us in the year of 2022. Thank you all for listening, joining us for every episode on Niners Nation. Please, as always, rate, subscribe, review, leave us five stars. As we head into the new year, I am joined by Akash. Akash, eight games in a row the 49ers have won. And for most of these games, it hasn't particularly been close. So we're going to talk about everything 49ers related, as we always do. But first, we're going to touch on the 49ers' next opponent. And why? That's because they are going to likely face a quarterback that has never started a game. So this morning, we're recording this on Wednesday, the 49ers were six-point favorites over the Las Vegas Raiders. In 45 minutes, that line went from eight and a half to nine. Why? Because Josh McDaniels, who is in his second stint as the uh, head coach, came out and subtly, not so subtly, hinted at he's pretty much fed up with the way Derek Carr's been throwing the ball. He said that we just have to be better efficiently. So that means Jared Stidham is probably going to get his first career start. He is going to get his first career start against a defense that is essentially number one across the board in every stat that matters, every metric that matters. And it's not really close. So that explains the line movement. And we were talking about a little bit about this before, and the Raiders are probably also going to be without one, one of their leading tacklers, Denzel Perriman, a prize free agent signing, Chandler Jones. So like, the 49ers are probably going to finish closer to a 10-point favorite than a 6-point favorite. But anyway, we were talking about this before we got on here. Like The 49ers are spoiled, man. Like we Think about everything that we quote-unquote complain about, whether that's you know leaving points on the board, Kyle Shanahan going for it on fourth and one. What are you running that trick play for? Um, the defense giving up garbage time touchdowns. Whenever the defense gives up anything, people find a way to complain. Are we spoiled? Do we take the 49ers success for granted? Uh, the team that they just beat, the Washington Commanders, like they are, they were a really good defense and San Francisco essentially lived on their half of the field the entire game. Uh, Washington had to make a quarterback change. Uh, the Raiders are making a quarterback change. Like every team the 49ers face, uh, they come out with problems, but that's not really an issue um, in 49er land. I think when you live like in the game as you're watching it, it's easy to complain about a lot of the things that you just mentioned, right? They had the fourth down play where it was like a triple option, use check pitching it back to McCaffrey, and it just seemed a little excessive. And so we complain about that. Or the Defense had, they forced, what, two or three turnovers in the second half. I think the Niners got the ball in plus territory three times, kicked three field goals. So you're like, well, come playoff time, like that's not going to be good enough. You're going to have to turn those into touchdown touchdowns. Mike McGlinchey with a couple of red zone false starts. You're like, that's just not quite good enough. And I think, you know, the head coach certainly views it that way, right? Kyle Shanahan says this a lot. He's a perfectionist. And, you know, as much as you like to take a step back and say, okay, they've accomplished all this, you also got to look at, okay, we got to correct these mistakes because ultimately to reach that goal, we're going to have to clean up some of these things. And so when you're in the game for those 60 minutes and you're following along, I think it's easy to criticize those things. And then you step back, you know, at the end of the week, you look at the rest of the scores on Sunday, you go through some of the advanced numbers, et cetera. And the 49ers just light up the rest of the league like the Christmas, like a Christmas tree, especially the last eight weeks. They've been by far the most dominant team 
on both sides of the ball and special teams. I uh, think DVOA has the number one, both offensively, defensively, and I think number five special for special teams um, since Christian McCaffrey, you know, joined forces and they've gone on this eight game winning streak. And so, you know, when you step back in the middle of the week, you just, you just, you're amazed at what this team continues to accomplish, how talented they are, how well coached they are, that they're able to roll out a seventh round rookie starting quarterback and basically just keep humming and the expectations haven't changed. And honestly, it feels like over the last month, the expectations have increased. It feels like now you're like, okay, the closer they get, the better they look like, can they actually go on a run here? And that's the, that's the question everyone's dying to get the answer for. What I think makes this run so special and maybe just so impressive is the teams that they're beating and how they're beating the manner in which they're beating. So the dolphins, many would consider one of the best offenses in the NFL and, you know, a potential playoff team. And they won 33, 17 in that game really wasn't as close as the score would suggest since the dolphins, like 17, 14 of those 17 came on two big plays. And the next week they faced the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are not, you know, anywhere near what they, what they have been, but they're still in the hunt for playoffs. And that was 35, seven. It wasn't necessarily close. Seattle, the shoes drops for Seattle, but that was a supposed to be a close game. That was a road game on a short week, and the 49ers were only three-point favorites, and they, they come away 21-13. And again, it never really felt like that game wasn't, you know, a one-possession type of game. And then last week against the Commanders, the Commanders, who were a top-five defense um, over the past six or so weeks, I mean, as I mentioned, they were living in Commanders territory, and, and they put up 37, thanks in large part to the defense. And it feels like for as much as we're talking about Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, like that side of the ball is where they're doing most of their damage. So they were able to get Javon Kinlaw back. And thankfully Kyle Shanahan said Kinlaw came out of the game healthy. So they're, I imagine they're going to rev up his snaps as we get closer and closer to the playoffs. Eric Armstead has been outstanding since his return. Nick Bosa essentially locked up the NFC, um, sorry, the, the defensive player of the year award. What they're getting from Mooney Ward has been impressive, but I kind of want to switch gears here and and talk about you know, where the concerns are for this 49er team because it doesn't seem like there are many heading into the season. We thought safeties, we thought offensive line, and that was pretty much it. So, so far, Spencer Burford and Aaron Banks, like they still have their hiccups, but that's to be expected because they're still in their first year of starting. But I wouldn't say that they have been liabilities by any means. And if anything, I'd say the offensive line deserves a lot more credit than they are getting. And then on the other side of the ball, we've seen Talano Ufunga take his chances. It, I will say that it seems like there were, what, three, four games in a row now where there have been some miscommunications that have led to a big play. But that's just kind of who he is, where he's going to take a risk. He's going to have, you know, a mishap. But he's also going to make a play and get the ball back. Like he could have had an interception in the red zone. And I imagine he makes that play nine out of ten times. I thought I think Tayshawn Gibson has been a lot better than people have or people would have anticipated, you know, for a guy that they signed off the street right before the season started. Uh, Jimmy Ward's taking his game to another level. The question, though, is Diomdo Lenore. And I know he's been competitive and he's been in position to make plays, but I thought it was pretty telling the way Washington went at Lenore and went at him pretty pretty hard. So even when Mooney Ward went out, I, I believe it, he suffered a concussion, went to the Blue Medical Tent, Samuel Womack came in, and that didn't prevent – Washington from still attacking Lenore. So he's going to have to play ball and that's what teams are going to make him. So do you think 
Lenore has something to prove. Like obviously he has a target on his back as as do the safeties are. What is your biggest concern with two weeks remaining in the regular season? <laughs> I was just sitting there listening to you and it as you went through basically the the defensive roster, right? You're like Mooney Ward shutting down Terry McLaurin. I know you had a few few clips on social media. And then you talk about Jimmy Ward in the slot. You talk about the 49ers run defense. You talk about their passers. You're like, where the hell is the weakness <laughs> on this defense? And that's kind of where you land on Yamanor Lenore. And it's almost like he's being graded on a curve, if that makes sense, just because the rest of the players are you know, executing so well. And when you're an offense trying to attack this defense, and generally it feels like in the NFL, you look for a weakness and you try to maximize that. And with the 49ers defense, that just, that just happens to be what – one of their outside corners, uh, even if he's been solid numbers-wise. Um, I just think, you know, digging through the numbers, one of their weaknesses is their third down defense. So DVOA does splits by down. They're number one on first down, number one on second down, yet they're 18th on third down. And then when you dig a little further, they're actually 27th in DVOA when de- defending uh, like third and mid, which football outsiders considers that kind of three to six or seven yards. So kind of in that middle, like third and five, third and six, for whatever reason, they seem to struggle. And that kind of showed up on Sunday against Washington. I think they gave up a couple of third and longs where you felt like, okay, yeah, where you're like third and 10 plus, okay, pass rush going to get home or, you know, they'll give up something underneath and they'll rally and tackle, but just gave up big plays at the sticks uh, multiple times, which kept you know, drives alive, which eventually led to points, uh, touchdowns, I think both times. So that's an area of concern. And I don't know if that's, and maybe you'll probably know better if that's necessarily tied to an individual player, if that's tied to something, you know, tendency wise that they do on defense. Um, but it seems to be a consistent theme. And now there's, you know, a numeric trend behind it. When you watch 49ers, I would say their two weaknesses are attacking the seams, so getting the safeties in one-on-one right down the middle, or those timing routes to the outside, so attacking the seams and the numbers. And I'm not thinking of in terms of the commanders who do have a good wide receiver core, and they proved that because they were able to hit a, you know, a few explosives, or like the Giants who are their potential playoff matchups. I'm thinking of like how CeeDee Lamb would do against this defense. I'm thinking about how Devonta Smith would match up. And Jimmy Ward has played really well, but I don't think that's where teams would you know attack the 49ers naturally you have to go over the slider or the middle of the field essentially um still though you're basically begging for it the longer you hold on to the ball you're just asking for nick bosa to get after the quarterback i mean charles i mean he was it was really not let up and then i, I mentioned Armstead, and you, ha- you have to imagine the more javon kinlaw gets his legs underneath him and the more the better he gets into playing shape you know the more effective he's going to be so you have a crazy defensive line you have speed at linebacker like so they're still asking Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw to cover wide receivers, which is insane that the 49ers are able to get away with this, but they have all year. So that's not going to stop. Just there really aren't many weaknesses in this defense and that to pretend um, like other teams don't have these same weaknesses is naive as well. So, I mean, their numbers speak for themselves, their dominance speak for themselves and the turnovers that they've been generating, it, it's proving to be sustainable, which has kind of been saying in itself. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's more about the matchups, like what's going to happen when they play a Daniel Jones. Like, nobody's going to fear uh, the New York's receiving core. So, it'll be interesting uh, once we get there. 
I, I still think, you know, this team is so spoiled, like all the good players that they have, just naming the defense in general. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, when they get Debo Samuel back, George Kittle, who many people are starting to, you know, realize and remember, oh, yeah, this guy is really freaking good. Um, he has set franchise records. Um, we, we talked about some stats before we got on here, just how the 49ers, they haven't trailed with Brock Purdy with a seventh round last pick in the draft quarterback. Um, Mike Clay, I believe he's with PFF or ESPN. One of the ESPN, two, I, I think, yeah. Here we go. Um, he tweeted that the 49ers have, have had a lead of 55% of their offensive possessions, which is far and away the best um, the best margin in the NFL. Just the things that, that we get to watch week in and week out compared to what other teams are going through is uh, makes it fun for us. There's no doubt. So let's let's talk about the playoffs. NFC West already wrapped up. As of right now, according to Football Outsiders, the 49ers have a 3.2% chance of getting the number one seed. So you're saying there's a chance. They have a 66% chance to be the number two seed and then a 30% chance of being the three seed. I, I really don't envision them being the three seed. I think there's a likelihood or there's a strong likelihood as the numbers would suggest that 49ers wind up as a two seed. But I, I wouldn't rule out the, the, one. the top seed there. So – the Eagles have to play the Saints on the road this week, which is not going to be easy because the Saints, assuming that they, you know, at least try, show up. Dennis Allen's going to give, you know, he's going to make life difficult on Gardner Minshew. And then their next, their final game comes against a Giants team. And while I do believe it's at home, but still it's it's Gardner Minshew. So yeah, you never know um, what they're going to get. And then the Vikings, they play the Packers on the road. And even though, you know, the Vikings have the superior record, they're underdogs in that game. And they also have to go on the road against the Bears, who, you know, find a way to, to make games competitive. And then, obviously, the 49ers play the Raiders, who Jared Stidham making his first career start. It's looking like um, against the top defense in the NFL. And then a, another Cardinals game, who Trace McSorley, I don't know if you watched that primetime game, does not he look like, like a seven-round pick. Does not look like he should be throwing many passes, if any passes, in the NFL. So would not rule out the 49ers getting the top pick, or sorry, the top seed. <laughs> what do you think happens? And who do you think they would rather see in the playoffs? Are we looking at the Giants? Um, are we looking at the Commanders? Because in my mind, the reason I'm asking you this, it goes out saying you don't, you know, you want to play a team without those downfield weapons like the Commanders showed, but a team like the Giants, or sorry, a team like the Lions, like they are sneaky good offensively. And you would imagine so long as Jared Goff doesn't have to deal with weather, their offense would function. They have a very good offensive line. Uh, they have the weapons outside. And then I know the 49ers have had all the success against Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs, but they're, they're trending in the right way. Right. They have some explosive weapons too. I don't think they're very good on defense. Still, it's Aaron Rodgers and quarterback generally – Trump's all. So what, what do you think? Where are you leaning when we when we talk playoffs and playoff picture? And there are so many different scenarios that can play out for the six and seven seeds that um, I, I believe as of hard, now, man. there's a 51% chance that the 49ers play the Giants in the first round. That could be 27 by next week. Agreed. And just to walk through the scenarios one more time. So let's assume the 49ers win out, right? They're going to be favored probably by double digits against both of these teams. And so let's say they went out. If the Vikings lose one of their final two games, they're at least the number two seed. If you get the Eagles to lose twice and you get at least a Vikings loss, the Niners will have home field and a bye. 
in, in the first round. So they wouldn't even play it, you know, walk our weekend. Um, so lots to play out still. But just looking at the potential opponents, whether it's the New York Giants, the Washington Commanders, the Detroit Lions, and the Green Bay Packers, I think you could probably rule out the Seattle Seahawks. I think it's going to be one of those four teams. Um, and I think Dallas is pretty well locked into the five seed. And of those four teams, I personally would probably want to play the New York Giants. I know we talked about this before we hit record, but they're probably the team that has the least talent among the four. Um, and, you know, their coaching staff has done a hell of a job. Um, I saw like a non-quarterback wins above, wins above replacement chart yesterday on, on uh, some that some analytics person tweeted out. And it basically said that, you know, that the Giants have really overachieved uh, this season and kind of just squeeze the most out of the talent that they've had. And I feel like that would be a matchup that I think the 49ers could just exploit. Given that I feel like the Giants primarily try to attack you on the ground and the Niners have the number one run defense by whatever metric you choose to use. And I think they would just get after Daniel Jones and there's not the weapons on the outside, like you mentioned, to attack them down the field. And then after that, I would probably want to play the commanders again right? Because I think it feels like they're going to start Carson Wentz the rest of the year. And I know Wentz has had his success with the 49ers in the past for whatever reason, but I just think the Niners would would take that matchup again. I would probably put Detroit there uh, after that. And, you know, we talked about this again. Ben Johnson, the Lions offensive coordinator, has done a hell of a job with that Lions offense kind of in the back half of the season whether it's been with Amon Ross St. Brown, they got Jameson Williams back in the mix, and obviously their running backs are both studs, got a good offensive line. And, you know, I think a lot of Niners fans will look at that and be like, Jared Goff, Dan Campbell, like, easy money. And I would just say, you know, their offense has been has been pretty efficient this season. And I know they got blown out at Carolina this past week, but I would still worry a little bit about that matchup. And then the last I would just say is Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, because if say they are the seventh seed, they would have had to win. I think it'd be like four or five games straight to get in. And they would have been, you know, just kind of one of those dangerous teams that gets kind of hot at the right time. And a quarterback that's playing with a little bit more confidence and offense that I think in, you know, since week 10 is in the top 10 of a lot of advanced metrics, like you mentioned, their defense has kind of struggled. I know the Niners have had success, but it's just one of those things. It's like you don't necessarily want to play Aaron Rodgers opening weekend. I would much rather play one of the other three teams. So I think that's probably the order. But like you said, there's so much to shake out over the last few weeks that just about anything can happen. And yeah, that's what makes the NFL exciting. The storylines really make the NFL. Like we're talking about potential playoff matchups. Like for, for all we know, two, three of these teams are going to be on the outside looking in that are in the playoff picture right now. So all the 49ers can do is control what they can control. And the, if, the way that they're playing, if they keep winning, this there's such a hyperbolic chamber in the NFL. So, for example, the, four, the Packers were playing uh, the Dolphins. And in the first quarter, Daryl Johnson said, nobody wants to play the Packers in the NFC playoffs. Like, what? How, how is that your takeaway from watching this game based on, especially how the 49ers are playing? What does matter and what is paramount for this team's success is health. And we all know that. So we mentioned getting Kinlaw back getting Armstead back. So IR designations, they're going to be tricky because based on Kyle Shanahan's quotes recently, he sounds like Elijah Mitchell is close to returning and he could return to practice as soon as next week. That would mean, you know, you're 
don't have to worry about Jimmy Garoppolo just because he's not, he wasn't placed on the injured reserve. So the team could just effectively act or just make him active on the game day roster. But unlikely that Hassan Ridgeway gets, gets to return. And I'm not sure that's another thing. Like when we're talking about these injuries, we don't know how close these players are to returning. Uh, we can only go based off what Shanahan says, but are they going to be caught in a rock and a hard place when it comes to these positions? Are they just going to be like, for lack of a better term, just screwed on some of these as far as positions goes? Because again, um, there are so many designations that you are allotted and the 49ers have used all, nearly all of them, I should say. So like, what do you think happens? Are we going to see like, when we talked about this before we get on here, like, is it worth activating Elijah Mitchell? Like, are you going to, um, make your team better? Is he that, is he bringing that much more to the table than what Jordan Mason is? What a healthy Jordan Mason is. Obviously they have uh, Ty Davis price who, who looked fine. Um, but I think the passing game is obviously going to make the biggest difference there. Right. And on one end with these IR rules, you're like, man, it wouldn't it just make so much sense to be like, you can, un- you can have unlimited IR returns, like go ahead and just, you know, it would just make the product better if you had your best players healthy at the end of the season. And then on the, on the other end, I'm like, wow, it actually adds an extra element of planning and, you know, a little bit of forethought to be like, okay, if we play this guy on IR, then, you know, we may not have him because we're close to the cap on, you know, IR returns. And it's kind of been a juggling process for the 49ers and they've had to, you know, keep, Debo Samuel and Jimmy Garoppolo and some of these other guys on the active roster and deactivate them on game days, which means you have, you know, uh, some of the guys that normally would be inactive on game days playing. And so it's created this juggling process. And on the outside, you know, at face value doesn't, hasn't necessarily made a difference because the Niners have been rolling, but behind the scenes, these are the kind of things that, you know, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan and, you know, their personnel guys are talking through, week in and week out, like, what should we do? Like, is he going to be healthy by then? And um, I know the Curtis Robinson um, thing has been discussed because the 49ers, when they initially put out their 53-man roster, you know, kept him on the roster, then put him on IR, and then obviously brought him back, and he hasn't necessarily played, and I think they ended up waving him a few weeks ago. And so, like you mentioned before we hit record, that's it's just a hard thing to plan for early in the season. Like, you you just won't account for the fact that, okay, we're going to – eight other guys or seven other guys that we're going to have to bring back. So we can't, you know, put Curtis Robinson there at that moment. You're thinking like, okay, well, let's just, let's just make sure this guy gets healthy. We get an extra roster spot and we can use that to backfill some other position that we need help at. But to answer your question, I think, you know, the 49ers obviously have one IR return left and I think it's, you know, it's really just down to Elijah Mitchell, maybe Hassan Ridgeway. I would just go ahead and use it on Mitchell. I feel like when he was playing for those few games after he came back from the first MCL sprain, he still looked really explosive. He was averaging over five yards of carry, and they had this real like smash and dash look between Elijah Mitchell and Christian McCaffrey. And you kind of get that the same impact with Jordan Mason, but I'd say the one difference is I think Kyle Shanahan trusts Elijah Mitchell to run more of the playbook in terms of when Elijah Mitchell's on the field, I think he feels comfortable if Mitchell was a route runner and had to catch passes out of the backfield, whereas they feel less comfortable with Mason doing that. And so in turn, what that does is now when Mason's on the field, it's more of, okay, we're going to run the ball. Mason's going to get the carry and, and it, it more so tips your hand. And 
you know, if you know Kyle Shanahan, I think the whole thing, whole thing behind the offense is trying to make the run plays look as similar to the pass plays and try to make all your skill position players as positionless as possible to make your offenses versatile, versatile. And so I would, I would say that Mitchell does make a difference over Mason from that standpoint. And so I w- I would use the last IR return on Mitchell. And ultimately what that means is the 49ers are probably going to be with Hassan Ridgeway the rest of the year, which, which stinks because he actually played particularly well before his injury and you know their interior defensive line depth has been tested at times and i know they got ken law back akeem spence ty mcgill these guys are playing pretty well but i that's just tough it's just one you know the curtis robinson thing you just wish you could have back so ridgeway you know could potentially return for like an nfc title game if they get there yeah i think versatility is huge at the running back position and you mentioned that just just as far as tipping your hand. So as far as snaps go, Jordan Mason has played 63 snaps this season. Elijah Mitchell's played 70 snaps this season. Jordan Mason has nine snaps against the pass. Elijah Mitchell has 19 snaps against the pass. And only one of those snaps uh, for Mason came out wide as a wide receiver. And they've done a good job of moving uh, Mitchell around. He has four snaps, I believe, as a wide at wide out. And then he's also played three snaps um, in the slot. So Again, you can just do more on offense when a player can do more uh, groundbreaking stuff. So let's move on before we get out of here. I, I want to talk about, and this is looking ahead, and it's tough not to look ahead, not only because the 49ers finished the season against the Cardinals and um, the Raiders, so two backup quarterbacks is what we're looking at. But I just, I, it's just more interesting for me when I'm looking at the playoffs and when I'm thinking, why wouldn't they win? the NFC championship. Why wouldn't they blow out the giants or the commanders in the wild card round? Why would this team struggle against Dallas, Philly, who Minnesota, whoever they play in the second round and then so on and so forth. But like, would this be a disappointment if the team fails to get to the super bowl? I know that that just puts a lot on Brock Purdy's plate. We're talking about again, a guy who is what started four games now and he was an afterthought. And I know that they're hyping this guy up. And I know they've said all the right things about him being a competitor and him showing out in practice. But you cannot tell me the expectation was to continue to win games when in the manner that they have since Purdy has taken over. So he hasn't you know, faltered yet, right? He keeps passing these tests. So I'm going to keep assuming in the position that he's in with the skill players that Brock Purdy has, with the defense that's playing behind him, the team hasn't really lost a step. Um, since he's taken over. So with that in mind, would it be a disappointment if the 49ers did not make the NFC Championship? And let's just leave it at that. Let's not say just win the NFC Championship. With Brock Purdy under center, would you feel like it's a failure? Because in my mind, and I'll, I'll, I'll answer this, I would, and I know that they're, they came into the season with sky-high expectations, despite Trey Lance never really, you know, he started last year, but it wasn't the same. He had a full offseason under his belt. A lot's gone on. No Trey Lance, no Jimmy Garoppolo. But nobody knew that Christian McCaffrey was going to be a 49er before the season either, right? Nobody knew that. Well, everybody knew that Nick Bosa was going to play at the level he is. Nobody really knew how good Mooney Ward was. And you just keep going down the line. Like all, A lot of their players have really taken the next step. Dre Greenlaw's taken the next step. Their offensive line has shaped up. Talano Funga was in the defensive player of the year, like top 10 odds. So they have, I don't want to say performing over their heads, but there are a lot of freaking good players. So when you have the type of talent the 49ers have comparative to the rest of the NFC specifically, 
I think it has to be viewed as a disappointment. And no matter who they play, I would imagine they're either favored or expected to win. So I would say yes. What What do you think? Where are you leaning? I think it would be a disappointment if they did not make it to the NFC Championship, but I would not say it's a disappointment if they lose that game. And we've talked about this you know, on the podcast, off air. I think the three teams in the NFC that could potentially represent the conference of the Super Bowl, the Eagles, Cowboys, and the 49ers. I, I truly think it's going to be one of those three teams. Um, you look at their, you know, just basic numbers, their point differential, their EVOA, their EPA per play, what they are on both sides of the ball, like all that stuff. And those are the three teams that kind of separate themselves. And I know a lot of Vikings fans are going to be upset with that, but you know, they're what 11 and Oh, in like one score games, they're, they're more average than I think they are 12 and three or whatever the record is. And I think they've just gotten kind of lucky at the end of games. I saw the, their kicker, I think had like six game winning field goals this season. So it just feels like it's something that's not sustainable. I think they've had a great season up until this point, but if you're predicting future success based off of this, I just can't see them going on that type of a run. And so if the 49ers do play one of the four teams we talked about, earlier in the first round and then they play the Vikings, they're probably going to be favored in both those games, even if the game is in Minnesota in the second round. And I would expect them to win both of those games and return back to the NFC Championship just like last year. And then it kind of depends on the matchup, right? Are you in Philadelphia? Is Jalen Hurts healthy? Is Lane Johnson playing? Do they get Avante Maddox, their slot cornerback? And are they just kind of rolling at that point? Have they, you know, did they just beat the Cowboys pretty handily? How are they looking at that time? You know, I would say in that game, they're probably an underdog. And so you're kind of, you know, playing with house money a little bit at that point. And I would say it's not necessarily a disappointment if they lost that game, even though I think it would feel it would feel bad given how much talent is on this roster and how they looked, you know, how they've looked the last eight weeks. It would it would feel tough in the moment if you're a fan. But I think you could step back a couple of weeks after the season and be like, well, all things considered, you know, they made it to three NFC title games in the last four years. They have, you know, Brock Purdy, who's, if they get to that point, would have had to do things in the playoffs and you could, you know, have a bright outlook on the future. Um, but I think if they were to lose before that, they would have lost as a favorite, probably in a game that they should have won. And that's when I think it'd be a disappointment. And so, you know, I think, Ultimately, in our lifetime, I feel like there was one. There was really only one Super Bowl or bust team, and that's Tom Brady, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick's Patriots. And outside of that, I think everyone is, you know, trying to get into the playoff, trying to win playoff games, and see where it goes from there. And I think that's exactly kind of where this 49ers team falls. So, I think it's just so matchup dependent once you get into the NFC title game. It is, and that's a reasonable way to look at it. The, my line of thinking is over the past few years. And I know there are going to be specific plays that come to your mind when when I say this, but the 49ers quarterback hasn't necessarily needed them needed to win them games in the playoffs. Like there hasn't been a lot on the 49ers quarterback's plate. There have been missed throws, sure. There have been interceptions, yes. But by and large, it comes down to the skill players and the defense making plays. That's generally the case during the regular season. And Kyle Shanahan, more than ever, would make that the case for Brock Purdy. You would think in the playoffs and like there are no Rams defense. Like there's not a Jalen Ramsey. There's not an Aaron Donald in the NFC playoffs this season. As That's not on the 49ers anyway. Like the 49ers have all the best players uh, defensively, but like the Eagles, like 
you, they just gave up a third and 30 against the Cowboys. And that's a, a run defense that's been um, in the bottom five essentially all season. The Cowboys have shown cracks outside of Michael Parsons. They're, I mean, they're trending in the wrong direction. So, I mean, secondary. that goes without saying, yeah, like they're, Kyle Shanahan would run a double move at Trayvon Diggs every other play, I would imagine. Like, there, there are ways week. to get over. Yes. <laughs> yes, he did. Uh, there are ways to get over on the best teams in the NFC. And, I mean, the Vikings defense, they're a sieve. But I, I think the way that it's set up right now, and we mentioned this before, I, I just think that the red carpet is kind of being rolled out despite um, Brock Purdy. So we'll get there. Um, we have a long way to go. Uh, wild card weekend will be fun. So let's, let's, we will revisit this, please believe, but uh, that'll do it for us today. Um, I don't, I don't think we really need to do predictions. I mean, it's the 49ers, <laughs> it's, it's Jared Stidham, uh, his first, uh, a quarterback who has never started a game, who has 61 career pass attempts, and he's going to face um, Nick Bosa in the 49ers defense, who uh, like are seemingly number one in every statistical category that matters. Um, I would say it would be a disappointment if the 49ers uh, don't win this game by more than 10 points, which again, like that goes back to the spoiled train of thought. Like nobody else is talking like that in terms of how the team that they are covering or watching or rooting for uh, should be winning. So uh, thanks as always again for listening, please rate, subscribe, review, leave us five stars, wherever it is that you get your podcast. Uh, Follow me on Twitter, KP underscore show. Akash, where can we find you? Follow me on Twitter at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. And once again, wanted to wish everyone a happy new year. I know you're, you'll be in Vegas for the game. Wanted to wish you a happy new year. And to our producer, Stats, who's done a hell of a job this year as well. And just rate, review, subscribe to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. And we'll keep slinging podcasts in the new year.